In today's episode, we're going to discuss some miracles of St. Joseph, who St. Joseph is, is he young or old? We're also going to unpack why we don't hear him speak in scripture and why we should be devoted to him and give you some practical devotions that you can practice in your own life. Stay with us. So before we jump in and talk about St. Joseph, for today's handshake, we're going to discuss producing and not consuming. So an authentic man knows the importance of producing things and not just consuming things. I think it's uh, kind of ingrained in us these days to consume. Noise all around us, everything vying for our attention, but we don't stop and smell the roses. We don't stop and produce our own. So we become consumers, consumers 364 days a year and only given one day to producing things. And I'd say an uh, authentic gentleman is one that produces on a regular basis and that is comfortable with production. So some things of production that we like to suggest are uh, carpentry, talking about St. Joseph. So knowing how to use a saw, knowing how to um, use a hammer, also, some other things like music or cooking or gardening, and there's just so many different ways. And one of the things that um, I realized while uh, discussing this handshake was, um, you know, how void our society is of production and of actually creating things joining our hearts and our minds in God the Creator with things that we create from nothing, be it a clay pot or a dining room table. So today's tip, we want to encourage you to learn how to produce. Well, welcome back, gentlemen. Uh, I'm joined today by John Heineman, my co-host. Uh, and today Happy we're going to be here. talking about St. Joseph. As Holy Father has declared this, the year of St. Joseph. And there's no topic more relevant to Catholic men than our father in the faith, St. Joseph. So uh, let's just start off a little bit by talking about how St. Joseph has played a role in our own spiritual lives, our own spiritual journeys. Um, and I know St. Joseph was really important to you, John. Extremely important. So thank you, Sam. So with St. Joseph in my life is something that started when I was newly married. So it was time in life to take care of a family. And mm -hmm. I would say that I, while learning to take care of myself, wasn't prepared to take care of a family. And, um, and by that, I mean make enough money mm -hmm. <laughs> to take care of a family. Yeah. You know, it's, um, I'm a professional trumpet player and teaching lessons and gigging and playing with different orchestras or jazz ensembles is one thing and great for me. But when it was actually coming time to... Uh, um, be married and to bring children uh, lovingly into this world, I needed to make money. And so <laughs> my wife and I were instructed um, by a great priest friend of ours to pray an incessant novena to St. Joseph. And so an incessant novena is just a novena that is not just nine days, but is continuous. It's nine days and nine days and nine days and nine days. Wow. And so that was new to me. And I was like, yeah, so I chose a novena um, to St. Joseph that was um, uh, informative in the sense that every single um, day was uh, discussing one of his patronages, right? Mm -hmm. So patron of the Universal Church, patron of, um, of uh, Happy Death, you know, and these sort of uh, patronages. So we were going through those in these nine days over and over and over with one intent to get a job that um, would give me a salary so that we could mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. better support our, our, our family. And so um, it ended up being a two and a half year novena wow. that we prayed every day. That's incredible. Yeah, and uh, like halfway through it, um, being my limitations, I remember talking to the same priest and, and he told me to um, make a promise to God that mm -hmm. when one of when a salary job comes along that the first family vacation we take would be a family vacation to St. Joseph's Oratory in Montreal there wow. in Canada. 
And so we did, my wife and I prayerfully and um, made this vow to, to God that that's what we would do if I got a job. And so we continued to pray for at least another year, and we welcomed our firstborn daughter, uh, Gemma Catherine Heinen, uh, into the world. And now it became all the more anxiety-ridden of me needing to make money <laughs> yes. uh, and um, so that my wife could uh, spend time with our daughter. And, um, and so I ended up getting a job two and a half years after this novena and growing in my love for St. Joseph and my appreciation for St. Joseph. And we got that job and we took that first vacation to uh, St. Joseph's Oratory. And that's really how my uh, devotion to St. Joseph uh, began. So I would say 26 years old. So I'd been a devout Catholic, cradle Catholic, um, knew about St. Joseph, had seen every one of his statues, loved him holding the carpenter square, but never really had uh, spent time to, to grow in that devotion or grow in that love of St. Joseph. So. Yeah, yeah. Well, unlike you, I'm, I'm a convert. Yeah. Um, and uh, I would say my devotion to St. Joseph um, has admittedly been slow in coming. Yeah. Um, when I first came into the church, one of the big uh, hindrances or uh, I uh, wouldn't say stumbling blocks, but just something yeah. that it took a while for me to understand was Marian devotion. Mm. Um, and so I said, well, if I'm going to understand this issue, I want to understand it through and through. Yeah. So I just kind of threw myself into studying uh, Mariology, um, St. Louis de Montfort, Maximilian Colby, but also a lot of the other great saints of the church who all unanimously say, you know, um, Mary is unique and, right. and, and wonderful in salvation history and Mediatrix of all graces and all of these things that are so yeah. wonderful about our Blessed Mother. So I really got very enthusiastic yeah. about Marian devotion. However, whenever anyone would mention St. Joseph, it just kind of went in one year and out the other. Yeah. I just didn't really pay attention. You know, not that I had anything against St. Sure. Joseph. I just thought, you know, no, well, that's so great. Much. But, you know, really, yeah. I'm, I am I love our Blessed Mother. You that's know, right. that's And right. um, it's been dawning on me over the past few years, though, that our Blessed Mother wants us to be devoted to her yeah. husband, St. Joseph. Um, yeah. Especially for us men, we need a model. Men learn through imitation. That's right. I would say all human beings do, but especially men. We mm. learn through observation. So many boys, um, they learn a lot of the skills they need for life by just watching their father, yeah. how he carries himself, That's how right. he dresses, what he does in the morning to get ready, you know, how he handles working on a car, things like that. Boys watch and learn, um, and it's not so much what fathers say as what they do. That's right. Um, and so we need a masculine model for us in the spiritual life, and what better model than St. Joseph? And so, um, you know, there's in no way that uh, devotion to St. Joseph in any way distracts yeah. from devotion to Jesus and Mary. In fact, there's an old devotion, um, I think it was rooted in Ireland, yeah. called the Devotion of the Three Hearts. You That's know, right. Sacred Heart of Jesus, the Immaculate Heart of Mary, and the Pure Heart of St. Joseph. Right. And um, there's, you can find in antique shops sometimes these old yeah. paintings of the three hearts. Um, and it's beautiful because it's really um, kind of a, a, a Trinitarian model almost yeah. of like what a family should look like. Yeah. Um, and St. Joseph is the head of the, of the Holy Family, and it's... It's a, he's a beautiful example for us as men. So while that devotion's been slow in coming, I absolutely uh, have grown in my appreciation for St. Joseph and, and um, find him a wonderful model of the spiritual life. Yeah, and I just love our faith right mm -hmm. there, what you were talking about, because I fell in love with Mother Mary first in uh, True Devotion, uh, St. Louis de Montfort, and it was actually because of my wife, again, um, praise God, he knew <laughs> that I needed her. And she brought me into St. Louis de Montfort and True Devotion. And likewise, I fell in love with her. And honestly, if it weren't for um, God kind of hit me over the head um, with the priest <laughs> saying, yes. hey, you need to, like you just said, St. Joseph's your example. Yeah. He's your model. And I was getting turned down for all these professional trumpet jobs, yes. right? So I was taking auditions. And for those of our listeners who don't know in the professional orchestra world, it's 120 trumpet players go for to audition for one spot. Wow. And there's uh, so few uh, orchestras that are full-time salaried orchestras here in America. And there's only three trumpet spots in those orchestras that... It's, it's very limiting, but it was the priest who reminded me, like St. Joseph, knocking on the door, there's no room here. 
right? God has a plan for you. Right. And, and I'm so thankful that uh, God gave him as my spiritual director during that time because um, I can truly attribute his, um, his common sense direction of, hey, you're a father looking to take care of your family. You need to pray a novena to St. Joseph. And so I just, going back to the three hearts and talking about just how incredible our faith is that we have this history, this tradition, this respect, these devotions uh, to constantly turn to and grow. It's never ending. And so, um, yeah, I think it's, it's, it's really exciting and I'm very blessed and I love St. Joseph and, um, and I'm appreciative uh, of hearing your story as well. Yeah, and, and that's kind of a, a, a great segue to kind of what we want to talk about next, which is just yeah. the, the fact that St. Joseph, unlike, you know, this is not a knock against other saints, but like unlike yeah. other saints, he was deeply concerned about practical matters. Yeah. <laughs> you know, there, there's a sense in which we, while we may admire a saint who leaves it all and goes and lives in the desert yeah. and, you know, fasts and prays for 40 years, like St. Anthony the Great or right. something like that's that. Right, St. Paul um, Hermit, yeah. An incredible saint. Yeah. Um, but for husbands and fathers, like, we can't do that. Right. Like, and no. we're, we're kind of weighed down by the practical realities yeah. of, like you said, having to make money, having to provide physical sustenance for yeah. our family, having to provide a home, buy a yep. house. You know, houses are expensive, okay? Sure you know, we gotta, we gotta buy a nice car. Like, this is kind yeah. of something we're wrestling with right now. Yeah. It's like, do we upgrade our vehicle to a bigger van or <laughs> things like that? <laughs> Catholic problems. Catholic you know? problems, <laughs> Catholic conversations. Um, but those uh-huh. were concerns that St. Yeah. Joseph faced every day. That's right. Um, where is the next meal going to come from? Yeah. Do we have a place to live? And, you know, of course, in the Gospels, we hear about kind of that initial crisis of, of having to provide a, you know, a home for, for Jesus and yeah. his to be born, first of all. But then also soon, immediately after he was born in that stable, Joseph had to find a place to live. Yeah. And that was a lot of pressure. Not only did he have to find a place to live... He then has Herod's troops chasing him around. Yeah. Not fun. No. So he had a lot of pressure on his shoulders. And I yeah. think any Catholic husband and father um, who has any children at all um, can understand the weight that that can be on your shoulders. It is. Um, it's, and St. Joseph understands that. Yeah, amen. And so one of the things that we humorously wanted to talk about was when you think of St. Joseph in your mind... Was St. Joseph an old man or was St. Joseph a young man? Was he an old man taking care of uh, the most beautiful woman to ever walk this earth and, um, and Christ, you know, true God, true man? Or was he a young man in his prime and uh, taking care of them in that situation, <laughs> in that setting? So. I've heard some people... Uh, jokingly say that you know we need more pictures of, or statues of joe saint joseph being ripped you know yeah. like, like, like there's a statue uh, that's kind of popular of him like with huge biceps and stuff and in some ways like i get the i the idea that like we want uh you know a uh, a tough masculine looking saint joseph to to venerate yeah um but in some sense like i think it's a false choice yeah because young or old, St. Joseph was strong. That's right. Um, he had inner strength. Yeah. He had spiritual dignity. He had, you know, and, and our culture, you know, looks down on the aged. Yeah. Um, but in, in fact, many ways, um, the old have a deep wisdom deep. that only comes through life experience. Yeah. Um, so was Joseph young or old? I don't know if we can say with certainty. Right. But whether he was young or old, he was strong. Yeah. And he was wise. Yeah. And he had what it took to care for the Holy Family. Um, so I agree that sometimes yeah. the young, handsome St. Joseph is a little more appealing than yeah. some of these pictures of him that are, you know, bushy white beard and, right. you know, looks like he's 90 years old. Um, but regardless, St. Joseph was strong and he was a real man. That's right. Yeah, he sure was. And I would say that. I think what's most important in kind of the divide with the young and old St. Joseph was, you know, was St. Joseph old because that was the way that um, he could control his passions because he didn't have a strong libido and he was past <laughs> his prime? Yeah. Or was he young and in strong, con- you know, in control of his passions? And I don't think it has to be uh, either or And in that situation. I think we can all agree that St. Joseph, who was chosen by God, 
to take care of the Immaculate Virgin mm -hmm. and to take care of His Son, mm -hmm. Jesus Christ, that He was going to be in control of His passions and control regardless of what age He was. Yes. And so I know that Archbishop Fulton Sheen and a number of other um, great venerables and saints uh, have pushed towards the, the young image of St. Joseph, and I respect and, and mm -hmm. I understand, and, and I myself uh, lean in that direction if we were having to make a choice. But I think you hit the nail on the head right from the beginning, is that we don't really have to make a choice on this. What we have to understand is the great man that St. Joseph is, and the same yeah. great man that we can still turn to mm -hmm. in St. Joseph. Right. Because really, it's kind of an irrelevant question now, right? right. Because he's in heaven with a you know right. glorified body, you know, right. and, and uh, wh wherever he is now, I mean, he he has he's perfection of manhood now right. um, in heaven, and uh, you know we can always turn to him for that strength that we need. Um, but you know. Some people are still, they're going to want the ripped Saint That's Joseph. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> well, there was a poster on my wall for a period of time. No, I'm um, and so very good. So let's let's talk about Saint Joseph. So we know that Saint Joseph is now the scourge of demons, right? I mean, uh, demons flee from him. But when he was in Scripture, when he was taking care of. Um, the Holy Family, and when he was put in charge, which I don't think we can really comprehend mm -hmm. the weight yeah. of, of stress and the yeah. weight of complete and absolute total abandonment to the will of God that St. Joseph had to have. Right. When he started by uh, first with the angel, telling him to take in Our Lady and, um, and trust, yeah. and that this is of God's plan. Right all the way to um, going to Bethlehem, not knowing where they were going to stay, then to flying to Egypt, then to taking care of them for, you know, uh, 30 years or so, you know, in, uh, while Christ was at home. And um, that weight is, is so vast and so, how do I say it? incredible and incomparable that the man of St. Joseph is somebody that truly deserves our respect, our devotion, our admiration, and I would say our love. Yeah, so. absolutely. And, you know, St. Joseph, too, uh, when he first uh, found out yeah. that the Blessed Virgin was with child, uh, the the culture of that time was not nearly as tolerant as we mm. are of out of wedlock births. In fact, yeah. you know, according to the Jewish law, she probably should have been stoned. Yeah. You know, uh, but Saint Joseph, um, as soon as he got that message, he knew that he was going to marry the Blessed Virgin, and he was going to have to endure a lot of ridicule. That's right. uh, that. You know, he was betrothed to her, right? So, yeah. you know, it, it, uh, betrothal was a little more serious than even an engagement yeah. um, in that yeah. time. Mm -hmm. So basically what, what most people would have perceived, not knowing anything about the Holy Family and what was going on, yeah. they probably would have thought that Mary had essentially cheated on St. Joseph. And, right. you know, for any man to have, you know, your woman cheat on you is incredibly humiliating. Yeah. And so... Just putting yourself in the, the mindset of St. Joseph at that time, he knew he was going to have to endure humiliation and ridicule yeah. by agreeing to marry uh, the Blessed Virgin anyway. Yeah. And he did. Yeah. He said, this is the will of God. This is the Messiah. That's I right. am going to marry her anyway. Um, and as soon as the angel gave him that message, there was no question. He married her anyway. Yeah. And probably endured a lot of ridicule for that. I mean, how can you explain that yeah. to someone? Well, this is actually... The son of God, and you know, you can't explain that, that's right? And in, in, in a way that someone's going to understand. So, I'm, I'm sure Mary and Joseph both endured a great deal of shame as they bore the Son of God, and yet they endured that to follow the will of God. Right. So, that was even before Jesus was born, and he had to deal with trying to take care of them. And as any husband and father knows. When you're trying to t provide for your family, there's a powerful instinct yes. in every man that we want to provide, uh, not just provide, but an abundance for yeah, our family. Yeah, exactly. We, we want, want them the to best. be comfortable. Mm. We want them to be blessed. We want to provide the best we possibly can yeah. for them. But he couldn't even find a single place for them to no. sleep. I mean, they were essentially homeless. Yeah. You know, when Jesus is about to be born, 
Um, and what a terrible feeling. And yet he never gave up. Never. Incredible mm-hmm. inner strength and perseverance there. I'm sure it was uh, uh, deeply difficult for St. Joseph. Yeah. Um, yeah. And let's talk St. Joseph the provider. Yeah. Right? So St. Joseph is the foster father of Jesus, our Savior. He is the um, betrothed spouse, the most chaste spouse of Our Lady. Mm. And he was called by God to provide for them. Mm-hmm. Not just in that that manger, not just you know in mm-hmm. the in the travel with Our Lady on the donkey, but he was also called to provide throughout their lives. And so Saint Joseph, we know, was a carpenter, and uh, he had to produce, as we talked about in the handshake. He was called to produce, and and we as as men or as husbands and fathers are likewise called to follow in that example and provide for our families, be it um, spiritually, physically, you know, emotionally. Mm-hmm. These are the things that, that we are called to do. And I know that I feel very blessed by that calling, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that it's something that I'm very grateful for, mm-hmm. for many reasons, but one of them is, is you know, my wife far excels on nurturing and taking care of our children yeah. in ways that I I can't possibly do. And they, they attach to her in ways right. that they don't ever, you yeah. know, my four-year-old son every morning runs down and, and wants to sit next to mom, even if I jokingly hold up my arms yeah, to, right. to, to see if he'll come to me. <laughs> um, and, um, but there's that, that immense uh, re- uh, reciprocity within, within our marriage and, and I feel, again, very blessed that I as a man have been graced by God with this uh, sort of provider um, abilities and with the, the job that I currently have and being able to take care of them so that we can uh, lovingly grow as a family and grow in holiness and within our roles. So. Yeah. Well, and, and, and St. Joseph, he was an artisan. You know, yeah. I think that's a word that we all admire these days, you yeah. know, kind of the hipster culture is very much an artisan coffee and, and uh, right. artisan beer and, you know, artisan leather and all this. We we long for that because our culture is you know, culture mass, mass production. Like yeah. there's no pride in your art when you're sitting in an assembly line. Yeah. Like, um, And yet St. Joseph built furniture most likely. He probably built, um, you know, farm implements, things like that. I mean, he was a carpenter. So he took great pride not only in being yeah. able to provide for the Holy Family, but to being the best carpenter that he could be. And I think that's an instinct we all have as men that's kind of been extinguished by our assembly line world. But when you make something, there's a pride in your art. Well said. You don't want to just be a carpenter and just do the bare minimum. You want to be the best carpenter you can be. You want people to come from miles around to get your carpentry. In fact, I can't remember which uh, mystic it was. Okay. I think it might have been Anne Catherine of Emmerich. Emmerich, yeah. And she talks about St. Joseph she taking does. great pride in his work and how he had such a reputation for craftsmanship. And I just love that anecdote about him because yeah. it says so much about who he was as a man. He wasn't yeah. just about putting food on the table and then just doing the bare minimum to pay the bills. It was, I'm going to be the best craftsman I can be. And Jesus, no doubt, learned from that. Yeah. Um, and, and saw the the um, care that St. Joseph put into his work. Um, and I can just see them, you know, in the carpenter shop working together and St. Right. Joseph from teaching him how to a planer works or something yeah. like that or, or, or how to, you know, put these pieces together in, in, a, in a way that they'll endure for, uh, for generations. For generations. Um, and, and that's um, no doubt the kind of man that St. Joseph I was. agree. And you want to talk about strength. He didn't have Makita, DeWalt, you know, Milwaukee, <laughs> right. you know, power tools. Right. Uh, if anybody's used a planer, which I've uh, um, been blessed to uh, utilize, it is maddening. It is even a great planer. Um, and, uh, and so I, I love that connection with, with artistry because that's absolutely who he was and what he was able to, con- um, to create. And, uh, and of course, you know, and... And then, uh, you know, with uh, with controlling his own passions, no doubt, um, any carpenter knows that 
uh, anger can build up real quick. <laughs> the moment you remember, you you um, you measure three times and cut once because after you've cut, you don't get a second try. Yes. You know, and so so that amount of patience and that amount of strength, and honestly, I, I do mean physical strength because when you're using one of these push planers, and you uh, honestly to make it a really smooth surface, you have to go through multiple different size planers. Yeah. Um, you know, and so it's not just just one time through and get it all done. It's, you know, and we're talking about a bench or a table or, you know, a frame or whatever the case might be. You really have to get that elbow grease in there. I mean, I think that's actually a perfect uh, movement towards St. Joseph as protector. Yes. You know? Yeah, yeah. St. Joseph placed himself uh, between danger and the Holy Family. Yeah. I mean, we think about um, getting that dream how many of us pay attention to our dreams? Probably nobody, right? So, yeah, yeah. Like the fact that um, everyone says, yeah. well, if an angel appeared to me in a dream, I would obey. <laughs> well, are you sure? Because <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. most yeah. of our dreams are just kind of crazy. That's you right. don't pay any attention <laughs> to them. But uh, St. Joseph got this message in the dream, you know, get up tomorrow or maybe even in the middle of the night yeah. and get out of there. Yeah. Head to Egypt. Egypt, first of all, it's a long ways away yeah. across the desert. Second, you know, what are you going to do when you get there? Yeah. You don't speak the language. You don't have a job lined up. Yeah. You know, I live in Oklahoma, and right. it would be kind of be like an angel telling me, get up and move to Mexico tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, okay, wait, wait a minute. <laughs> yeah, well, there's some logistical details right. we need to work out. By here. foot. Yeah. You know, you're not you're not allowed to drive your car. You, you got to do this right. by foot. Yeah. Right. And uh, and that's exactly what Saint Joseph did. He probably woke Mary in the middle of the night yeah. and said, "Take our." infant son wow. okay anyone who's traveled with a child knows wow. how difficult it can be to travel with a yeah. baby and we're leaving that's right uh, and the amount of trust and faith and wow. courage that took you know and i think a lot of times we have these plaster visions of saints where they never had any human emotions yeah but i can imagine saint joseph being terrified <laughs> like what yeah. am i going to do in egypt i don't I don't have any customer base there. I don't have any referrals there. Right. I don't have any word of mouth. <laughs> I don't even there. know if they use the same planers. Right. <laughs> right. And, uh, and yet he, he did it anyway. And it reminds me of that John Wayne quote where he's yeah. like, courage isn't not being afraid. It's being afraid and saddling up anyway. Yeah. And that was the kind of man St. Joseph was. Even though he had this tremendous like burden on his shoulders of yeah. caring uh, for the Messiah and for his, his mother, you know, uh, providing for them. It's yeah. just one crisis after another in the Holy Family. And he had to get up and move to Egypt um, on, a, on a moment's notice. Yeah. And he did it. I mean, to Egypt, we're not talking about he had to move from, you know, Fort Worth to Dallas or Minneapolis to St. Paul, you know, in the same location, you know, sure, it'd, it'd be a, a couple days trek, you know, I've lived in both of those locations, so right. I can comfortably speak about it. But... We're talking about getting up and basically with what you can carry or put on a donkey, move to a different country. And Sinai, yeah. crossing the Sinai Desert, Desert. you know, is, to get yeah. there. I mean, that's intense. That is. And, and so then when he returned, he still had to protect his family. Mm -hmm. He still had to. Um, and I think we can imagine St. Joseph, I, I mean, just... With the love that we have for our wives, mm -hmm. if somebody were to ever uh, challenge their dignity or yeah. ever, you know, uh, look at them with any sort of um, thoughts of impurity, yeah. how we would rise to the occasion, yeah. come what may, you know, we would right. stand up for them out of out of passion and out of love and out mm -hmm. of um, right order, you know, for for our for our um, wives and. He had the blessed mother <laughs> in Christ. But and I think that's yeah. such an important point yeah. is that Joseph loved Mary. Amen. Even, though, even if they weren't physically intimate, he still loved her. That's right. You know, and it was a pure love, you know, that is was was completely chaste. And yet he I'm sure had great affection for I'm her. Sure. Um, and yeah. she had affection for him as yeah. her provider and protector. Um, I'm sure they had a joyful relationship. Um, yeah. You know, I can I can imagine yeah. them joking, you know, and caring for each too. other in the most human of ways because yeah. they were human, fully That's human. Right. 
um, and they loved each other. And I, I think that we can't, we, again, we kind of have this like pastel, like, yeah. you know, um, idealized version of the Holy Family, but they were human beings yeah. and they had the full spectrum of human emotions. And for spending years and years together, you know, I'm sure they developed a deeply affectionate and loving relationship. And yeah, St. Joseph would not tolerate anyone disrespecting the Blessed Mother. Like, That's they're right. just... Um, you know, and I'm sure guys didn't want to mess with him. He probably had, you know, right. <laughs> probably was pretty built after planing all those tables and, and yeah. uh, you know, sawing all those things by hand. You know, he, he, he had what it took to protect the Holy Family. But he and, was. Yeah. He was. He was the lover of the family, right? Mm-hmm. It's so important. And I'm so happy that, that this came up as, the, as a third um, from, from provider and protector but just intimate um, lover of the Holy Family mm-hmm. that he was and he had to be because that's so often forgotten, I would say. Mm-hmm. Uh, and today we, we live in a culture that's increasingly fatherless, yeah. that's increasingly ignore, selfish, ignoring the needs of a dad, but not just a dad present, mm-hmm. but a dad that's actively in love and doing things lovingly with his family. And St. Joseph absolutely was for years and years and years mm-hmm. taking care of, of his family and doing it with with a joyful and a glad heart. Yeah. So yeah. I think that's great. And I think, you know, one of the things that was mentioned that uh, we discussed was the silence of St. Joseph in the Bible. So for our listeners who aren't aware, we don't have you know, any written words of St. Joseph in mm-hmm. Holy Scripture. And very frequently in many different denominations or um, sects, that is seen directly as, um, well, he's not important. Yeah. You know, uh, his his role in in scripture, his role in the Holy Family is not that important. And we don't really need to worry about yeah. him because, hey, you know, we've got St. Paul who's, who's talking all the time. And we've got, you know, the apostles and we've got, of course, our, our um, Savior, Jesus Christ. And um, and we uh, but St. Joseph didn't talk. And then you and I also discussed how we've got these books of St. Joseph. And it was like, how how in the world is there a 400 page book <laughs> on St. Joseph yeah. when, you know, he doesn't talk in the Bible. But we're getting at it right here is that we are understanding in right order and in God's beautiful design, mm-hmm. how great of a saint, how great of a man, how passionate of a man St. Joseph was mm-hmm. when he was on this earth and how St. Joseph is now in his glorified body in heaven. That's right. So. That's right. Yeah. And I think, you know, people say, well, why, why doesn't scripture talk more about St. Joseph's life? Yeah. I mean, and really, other than a few glimpses in the Gospels, we don't see it a whole lot. Well, maybe that's because he lived a very ordinary Jewish life of the yeah. time. Oh, yeah. And the things that he had to worry about are probably the things that we have to worry about. Yeah. The difference was he just filled those moments with a deep holiness, with a deep love for God and for his yeah. family. Um, and he was, a, he was a typical devout Jewish carpenter of the day. Yeah. Um, and that's all you really need to know about St. Joseph was that he did his duty. That's right. Um, his mm. words... Uh, were not nearly as important as his actions. Um, also, I think when you look at the writings of the saints, when they talk about silence, yeah. silence is always an availability. Yeah. God, I am making you myself available to you. You tell me what to do. You tell me what you want me to know. Yeah. But I am radically available. Mm-hmm. Um, and you look at, you know, again, the Old Testament, uh, the story of Samuel where he says, Speak, Lord, your yeah. servant's listening. And that was kind of like the motto of St. Joseph throughout his life was like, speak, Lord, your servant's listening. Amen. What do you want me to do? What do you want me to know? I'll do it. At yeah. the drop of a hat, I'll do it. And that was St. Joseph's attitude throughout his life, through all the ordinary trials and tribulations of being a husband and father. That's right. That was St. Joseph's attitude. Um, and I, I love that. And I think you, you bring up another really good point. I was um, had a great professor in medieval theology who said to us that the convents and the monastery 
are here to remind us of the importance of silence and the mm. importance of prayer yeah. in a world so filled and overwhelmed with noise. Yeah. And isn't that a beautiful way of looking at St. Joseph is understanding that St. Joseph is teaching us mm -hmm. the importance and in many cases the priority mm -hmm. of silence yeah. in, in our life to hear the still small voice of mm -hmm. God acting in our own lives and he's showing us that. That's really good. And I think that's uh, an excellent thing to, to remember. And I know that Benedict XVI, um, Pope Emeritus Benedict XVI would talk about how, um, and, and our listeners can Google this, but there is a quote on, on how the, um, the lack of uh, voice of St. Joseph in Scripture is not teaching us of any sort of emptiness of St. Joseph, but rather of the great um, faith the great love, mm -hmm. the great unity that St. Joseph had for the Holy Family yeah. and trust in God that he had. And talking about what we were just saying, that importance of silence in our lives that yeah. we are that we are showcasing. So Well and and, and speaking of Benedict, you yeah. know, Pope Benedict, yeah. but actually Saint Benedict, you know, his oh, motto was Aura et Labora, Aura. prayer and work. Right. And if you want to summarize Saint Joseph's his life, life. Mm. it was Aura et Labora. It Amen. was prayer and work. And that silence speaks to both his activity um, as the provider and perfecter of yeah. the Holy Family, that work yeah. that he had to do, but also that prayer. And I think as a model for us husbands and fathers, we can't be monks, yeah. but we can aura at labora. We can pray yeah. and work for our families. And what better gift can we give to our children than knowing that my father worked hard to provide for me Amen. and he prayed for me every day. That's right. And so... We've talked about St. Joseph as the provider, as the protector, as the um, lover of the Holy Family. And we have talked about St. Joseph briefly as um, patron of a happy death. He's mm -hmm. the patron of workers. Um, but what are some of the things during the year of St. Joseph that we as men, that we as husbands and fathers in many cases, that we as priests uh, can do to better unite our hearts to St. Joseph, the ultimate gentleman. Yeah. So one thing is uh, we're going to be launching a special edition St. Joseph Rosary, which right. you'll be able to find at catholicgentleman.com. Um, but another idea kind of related to yeah. the rosary might be as you're meditating on those mysteries. You the, took it. The, okay. okay. Good. <laughs> the joyful mysteries, the uh, sorrowful mysteries, uh, you know, the, the uh, glorious mysteries. Think about St. Joseph's role in each of those mysteries. Even after his death, yeah. you know, he was still active, I think, from a heavenly perspective right. uh, in these moments of redemption, but especially during the joyful mysteries. That's right. That's right. Thank you, Sam. And, and I love it. You took it from me because <laughs> while uh, on the Catholic gentleman, uh, we're going to offer uh, the rosary of St. Joseph, which is from the Oblates of St. Joseph. And it's a little unknown devotion that the Oblates of St. Joseph have. And there'll be a, a prayer card on the website. Um, I was going to bring that exact same thing up, Sam, is that um, what a great way of thinking about St. Joseph for those of us who are rosary, daily rosary prayers, uh, prayers, um, is uh, how often do we go through the daily rosary and we are um, just going through the motions and we've done the joyful mysteries uh, a thousand times and unless we've read uh, St. Louis de Montfort's The Secrets of the Rosary and things like that recently it's not fresh on our mind mm -hmm. and so take a moment and reflect on the life of St. Joseph during those joyful mysteries, mm -hmm. not necessarily Our Lady but how he interacted with Our Lady, how yeah. he interacted what his thoughts, what his actions were experiencing during the joyful mysteries. I think that is just a beautiful devotion to practice and what better time to do it. But uh, the year of St. Joseph, the month of St. Joseph, this episode here and the month of St. Joseph. And I completely agree. So another thing that individuals can do during this year of St. Joseph is read Leo XIII's uh, Quam Quam Pluris, which is his encyclical letter on the devotion to St. Joseph. Many mm. people don't realize that he wrote an encyclical letter. It's actually short. It's like a 10-minute read, and there is a beautiful prayer to St. Joseph when uh, Leo XIII brought it into uh, uh, the church. It was to be said daily during 
the month of October was his direction, um, but we can do it now after the rosary, but there is a prayer. You can see it on the Vatican's website. You can just mm -hmm. look at Leo XIII, St. Joseph Devotion. It'll come right up. And uh, again, a 10-minute read, um, but but it can be 10 different prayer sessions. You know, yeah. it can be uh, different times that you spend and you meditate on that. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, and of course, there's St. Joseph Novenas. Yes. Uh, there's a novena for everything. And Correct. of course, there's one to St. Joseph. Um, so what a wonderful way you, I mean, you talked about how a novena to St. Joseph played such a significant yeah. role in your life. Thank you. And finding a job as a, as a husband and father. And, um, you know, hey, we're, we're kind of in rocky times, turbulent times economically yeah. right now, and there's a lot of people out of work. Yeah. Um, and if you're looking for a job, you know, uh, what a wonderful way to invoke uh, the aid of St. Joseph um, because he knew, again, that stress, that kind of that anxiety that can kind of come with having to provide, yeah. which can be a big weight on a, uh, on a man's shoulders. Mm -hmm. um, St. Joseph, he understands that. That's he right. was not invulnerable to those feelings of anxiety and, and that that come with uh, the responsibility to provide for your family. So invoke his intercession, pray the novena. Amen. Yeah, and thank you for bringing that up. We just uh, completed a novena leading up to his feast day here on March 19th, but we're going to have another uh, unified Catholic gentleman novena uh, leading up to May 1st, his feast of St. Joseph the Worker. So uh, we invite you to take part in that. Um, but yes, it doesn't have to be in union, in union with the Catholic gentleman. A novena for two and a half years every day That's is right. certainly a possibility. So another thing for those of us uh, fortunate should this global pandemic, um, you know, be behind us or, you know, you're just ready to take action and go do that <laughs> uh, pilgrimage anyways, is a pilgrimage to a St. Joseph shrine. Yes. So there's quite a few of them. Um, I can... Uh, start by talking about the pilgrimage in Canada, the pilgrimage site of St. Joseph's Oratory, mm -hmm. and that's in Montreal. It is gorgeous. It is beautiful. I have been there myself, been very grateful to go there. Mm -hmm. There are St. Joseph's shrines throughout this world. So for our international listeners, just, you know, quickly Google search yeah. the closest uh, St. Joseph's shrine and make it a point to take your family or just yourself on a pilgrimage there. So Back to the shrine in Montreal. So St. Andre, Andre Bassett uh, was the one who got that whole St. Joseph's oratory uh, moving mm -hmm. at this oratory, at this pilgrimage. It is in the glorious part of North America. Mm -hmm. And when you go there, you can go down and you can see all miracles attributed to St. Joseph wow. um, by just hundreds and hundreds of crutches on the wall. Wow. And so what St. Andre Bassett would uh, do is he would take oil that was burning under uh, a lamp there at St. Joseph's Oratory, and he would use that with St. Joseph's intercession to rub on um, uh, physical healing, places, individuals that were in need of physical he healing. Wow. And it's beautiful stories. Actually, this in itself, if you can't make it the pilgrimage site, just learn about St. Andre Bassett and learn about these St. Joseph miracles there because he can uh, come and, uh, and be a part of your very life then and there. And I will just add that uh, a personal touch, personal touch that was really um, wonderful for me in my life and the importance of father figures in our lives was when I went on this pilgrimage, my daughter Gemma was maybe just around two years old. Mm -hmm. And there are 99 white stair steps that you are to go up on your knees one at a time wow. as, a, as a devotion, as an ascetical practice. Um, as a devotion, you go up and you pray a Hail Mary or so on every step. And my wife got this candid picture of me on the staircase with my little two-year-old daughter kneeling down on the staircase looking at me just doing what daddy's doing wow. you know not quite certain why but um but because of that love that we have so anyways so that's one thing pilgrimage site yeah the other one would be uh, a significant one would be the Loretto chapel in uh, the santa fe area of new mexico um famous site of saint joseph yeah. many of you probably heard of it but uh, the Loretto Chapel uh, has a staircase that 
the the nuns um, and when they first were building the chapel, the nuns there um, ran out of money, or I can't I remember if they ran yeah, out of money, or yeah. the carpenter just did a bad job so, and didn't yeah. put in the staircase they to the upper choir loft, and so they're yeah. just kind of stuck. Like we don't have any more money to build a staircase. What do we do? And they said, "Well, pray to Saint Joseph." And yeah. And then a few days later, a mysterious carpenter shows up. Uh, builds an incredible spiral staircase right. with no nails or anything, incredible yeah, no artistry nails. there, um, and then just disappears. And, the, yeah. and it dawned on them eventually that, that was St. Joseph built their, built their right. staircase for right. them. And you can still go and see the staircase. Uh, and again, it's just an am- amazing piece of uh, woodwork. Yes, um, it is. And uh, the, you can hear more about the story when you visit that pilgrimage site. But... Um, we were going to go see it this yeah. past summer, but uh, the, all the travel restrictions and everything kind of ruined that. But we, we plan to go see it maybe again this summer. Hopefully. Uh, but, but we do want to see that. It's, it's definitely on our family travel list. Um, it, it's not too far away. So the Loreto Chapel in, in Santa Fe, New Mexico, and, and then St. Andre it, were such shines. Yeah, it's on ours too. We haven't been able to go to the chapel either. Yeah. And it's been on mine for a few years. Yeah. And so for... Um, just to talk a little bit more about that miracle to hopefully excite people around Santa Fe or within, you know, a driving distance or even beyond. So there are, uh, this mysterious carpenter came, he built it without nails. It's just wood and, um, and mortise and tenons and these different, uh, joinery that it's a spiral staircase that ends in 33 steps, right? It ends in 33 steps. Right? How how glorious is that? And he did. Then he just left, and um, it also didn't have any center support. Um, carpenters, not even Catholic men or women, will go just to view this spiral staircase that has no center beam support. Mm-hmm. That is just um, so masterfully designed mm-hmm. that it it's it's the its own weight. And its own structure keeps it united, wow. and uh, that's what we're called, you know, to that that <laughs> unity. So, um, and then a final thing that has uh, been increasingly uh, popular, praise God, and one that we would be remiss not to mention is uh, consecrations to Saint that's Joseph. Right. That's right. And so, there's uh, obviously the Father Donald Calloway, very. Um, uh, very beautiful consecration. And there's also Devin Shod, who is the director of Fathers of St. Joseph, and he mm-hmm. has a consecration uh, to St. Joseph. And I think... And Dr. Gregory Bataro as yep. well has Thank one. You. So they're, they're growing in popularity, and I think uh, really tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of men have consecrated themselves uh, to St. Joseph uh, as a result of this kind of growing popularity. But I really believe it's a movement of the Holy Spirit Amen. where, you know, this year of St. Joseph, the growing consecrations, where the Holy Spirit's really saying to us, we want you to get to know, I want you to get to know St. Joseph. Yeah. Um, and um, I think it's a powerful, powerful way for every man to entrust themselves to the care of St. Joseph. You know, look, a lot of guys may say, you know, I didn't have a great father. Yeah. You know, maybe he was absent from my life. Yep. Uh, maybe he, you know, was abusive in some way uh, in, in many tragic cases, you know. Um, sure. Or maybe he just uh, wasn't wasn't caring. Um, there could be a lot of different reasons why you may be wounded by your father uh, in our modern culture where the family has really suffered in recent decades. Um, but if you had a father who wasn't there for you, you have a father in heaven, the St. Joseph, Amen. who can be there for you spiritually uh, and in every other way. So turn to him. Even if you didn't have a great earthly father, you've got a great model in heaven who cares about you, who loves you, and who's ready to help you. Yeah, we sure do. And so I'm just grateful for this time, Sam. I'm grateful for St. Joseph and my life, and um, and I hope that those of you who are um, fans and and uh, and those devoted to Saint Joseph, feel free to leave comments and uh, let us know your devotions or other pilgrimage sites and things like that. That that we ourselves can discern practicing because uh, the world so desperately needs uh, the intercession of Saint Joseph, and we can all benefit from that. So. 
But before we leave, we've got our nightcap. And, um, and with this nightcap, obviously, we're going to talk about um, carpentry uh, uh, joints. So okay. I, I like to say um, four joints that every gentleman should be able to recognize. And so <laughs> what are joints? Joints are the location where two pieces of wood um, butt together. Mm -hmm. And how do they stay together? There's different joints. And so the first joint, that I want to talk about is just a miter joint. Okay. And so a miter joint is one is a joint that's cut at an angle. It's easy to visualize. It's frequently seen in picture frames. Okay. Um, and so obviously, if you look at the corner of a picture frame, there's um, that uh, little diagonal right there. And that's yeah. that miter joint that was put together. Both of them cut at that perfect degree angle sure. so that they can uh, um, tie together. Also within miter joints, you can use, make longer miter joints. So I had the um, blessing of making a mantelpiece. And in that mantelpiece with the, the very long four foot segment, I have those um, cut at a miter joint so that where they come together, um, it's, uh, it's cut at a miter right here so that the seam is right on the edge. So it's almost not yeah. noticeable on that okay. mantelpiece. So if you're looking at every one of the faces, they look like a full face because of that miter joint. Wow, so, that's really cool. Yeah, another joint, again, four, four uh, joints that gentlemen should recognize is tongue and groove. So a tongue and groove joint, that's gonna be one uh, very frequently with floorboards or um, also frequent with cutting boards mm -hmm. and things like that. But if you looked at it from a side, it's um, got an edge cut out and the the wood is, is connected in there, um, just like that. So I encourage you to take a look yeah. at that. Um, another one is a dado joint okay. named after dado blades. So if anybody's ever seen a table saw, it's usually just one blade, but a dado set is actually like six or seven or eight blades all connected with each other. So it's a big wide blade. Wow. So you don't actually cut through the full piece of wood. You just cut a groove into the wood. This would be frequently seen on bookshelves. Okay. So you can take a look at the bookshelf, uh, a nice bookshelf, right? Yeah. So Ikea bookshelves aren't going to pass that test, but... Um, but take a look at those nice bookshelves. And then a uh, final one, and this is obviously the most beautiful and my favorite, is the dovetail joint. So a dovetail joint is a joint that's commonly seen in drawers. Mm -hmm. And so if you've got a nice bookshelf, I know that Pottery Barn uses dovetail joints. Okay. Um, if you've got a nice bookshelf, uh, sorry, drawers, um, whatever that case might be, try and pull out one of the drawers okay. and look at the, the corner pieces. And, and you'll see, obviously, what looks like a tail of a dove. That's the shape of it. And so there's a um, YouTube personality called, um, I think, uh, Klaus is his last name, Frank Klaus. And he is uh, an incredible dovetail uh, joinery uh, expert. And he's got some fun YouTube videos where he's old time and, and he's not using power tools. He's just doing it with a wow. saw. Yeah. And you can really check it out. So those are um, four gentlemanly uh, joints that, <laughs> that every gentleman should recognize. So again, in the spirit of St. Joseph and in Thanksgiving to St. Joseph. Remember, like St. Joseph, be a man, be a saint. St. Joseph, pray for us. St. Joseph, pray for us. Amen. And thanks for thanks, watching. Amen.